Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. My guest this week is Hannah Seals, MD at Team Jobs, a specialist recruitment consultancy business based in Bournemouth. Hannah has been involved in recruitment for more than 20 years and recently took on the role as MD at Team Jobs. She was appointed by Jason Galt, the founder of the company, and it is this that piqued my interest in wanting Hannah on the show. I've always been intrigued by the role an MD plays within an entrepreneurial business, the relationship with the founder, the differences between being an MD in a more corporate role as opposed to a more entrepreneurial one, and the challenges of assuming management of a company that has so much of the founder's personality and DNA stamped upon it. It is around these topics as well as Hannah's ambitions for the role and the future of Team Jobs that we explore in today's podcast. Enjoy the show. Hello, Hannah, and welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Hello, Warren. It's great to have you on the podcast. Really intrigued to have the conversation you with you, Hannah, about your role as MD within an entrepreneurial business, sort of stepping in, relieving the founder of some of that day-to-day responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure we'll touch on all of those things during the course of our conversation, as well as you know what's happening in the recruitment world now post-pandemic. Uh, but I suppose... First question for me was, what attracted you to a career in recruitment in the first place? Um, I am one of the millions that fell into recruitment. Okay. So I did um, just a a potted background. I did an HND in equine management. I was always going to work with horses. Wow. My daughter would love you. That's what she would love to do. (laughs) (laughs) I worked for about a year post that at a racing yard. And then one day thought, oh, I just don't know if this is forever. So I moved home, walked into an agency and started working as their administrator. And that is literally how I ended up in recruitment. I was probably 19. That story will be no different to I'd probably say a good 50% of people that work in recruitment now. And what's kept you in recruitment for so long then? Um, I suppose it's a landscape that's forever changing and it's a little bit cyclical, but it is ever evolving. Um, And that's through economic changes, through growth in businesses, through change, uh, talent challenges. I think if I think all the way back to the beginning, we used to sit and cut adverts out of the local paper and phone every single advert and say, you've advertised, but we've got better people. Whereas if I look at today and what the team do today, I mean, that is 20 years ago. Yeah. So just think about how it operates. It operates so differently. And I think it will always continue to grow and evolve. So I don't think it's an industry where you just do the same thing that you did five years ago. And I suppose technology and even the pandemic mm-hmm. and all of those things have accelerated some of those changes, haven't they? Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. 
absolutely. I worked remotely for seven years before I joined Jason's business here at Team Jobs. And um, I brought a remote model with me. Um, and for them to be hit with the March 2020, we need to operate remotely 100% in its entirety. I'd already experienced that for a long time. And I think I was probably quite unique. And then obviously everyone got accelerated by about five years and had to do it within 24 hours. So, um, so yeah, the changes have been crazy, but hey, in the face of adversity, adversity, we all survived it, didn't we? <laughs> we did, we did. And I suppose what's interesting about the recruitment industry, isn't it, is that, as you say, it's actually changing the model, you know, because pre-pandemic, I know, I know there was a move away from it, but everybody was opening branches, Every had still a branch network where mm -hmm. I assume there's a real understanding that that's yeah. not needed now. Absolutely. You could recruit from the moon. I saw um, a branch network operationally from some of the global players start to kind of dilute maybe five years prior to the pandemic, mm. where it was, let's let's remove some of the bricks and mortar cost. Let's grow bigger operations in one location and be more geographically driven rather than um, sort of localized. So I saw that change prior to the pandemic, nevertheless. But I do think the output of the pandemic is that um, there's a lot of commercial um uh, commercial bricks and mortar out there now that are not going to be used because a lot of companies not just in recruitment but outside of recruitment as well mm. have taken themselves on a journey where it's a cost they can eliminate yeah absolutely absolutely and we've seen how our businesses can all work from a remote basis and yeah and it's not bricks and mortar aren't so important so you had a really successful career in kind of i'll call it corporate world you know yeah. working for one of the very very big or the, if not the biggest kind of national really successful career what made you consider stepping away from the corporate world and, you know, working within an entrepreneurial business? Okay. So um, I was with my previous employer for 11 years, which is a long time. And I'd worked mm. for, prior to that, a number of the other global brands. Um, and I'd kind of got to the top of my game with my previous employer. And if I'm brutally honest, and this this is, uh, I'm, not, I'm not massively adverse to working for men or women, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I'd seen a how do you explain this kindly? The pipe smoking board that was never mm. changing for five yeah. years prior to leaving. And that would have been my next step. And when you see the, uh, st the, the kind of lack of agility in that above you, it does make you think, okay, is, is staying here going to be my next step? Yeah. Um, so I was always looking operationally at um, other opportunities across the UK because I'm never set on the fact that I have to work where I live. Um, and it just so happened that uh, Mr. Galt knocked me a note one day and said, okay. hey, Hannah, do you fancy a coffee? And I was like, do you know what I do? And I wasn't actually looking. Um, and I think that's where the best conversations do happen mm. is when you're not actually looking. Um, but I think that most people leave their companies because they feel unappreciated. Mm. And I didn't feel unappreciated at all. I just felt that I didn't have a career vision, um, whereas I had done for 11 years. So it was really all about that ambition and that drive to yeah. succeed yeah. and to create something more than perhaps you could achieve where, where you were within a corporate kind of environment. Absolutely. And do you remember that first conversation with Jason? And so here's Absolutely. the founder, here's the entrepreneur. You're you're coming from a completely different perspective. Was it a meeting of minds or? I remember sitting in Costa Coffee in Broadstone 
um, and in comes this tall man in a beanie hat and I'm sitting there bashing away on my laptop about a million miles an hour trying to get the deals over the line. And he kind of went, are you Hannah? I went, oh, hi, are you Jason? And I, I think I must have said, just give me a second, let me finish this email. <laughs> and I think at that point, he instantly got the work ethic out of me, but maybe it wasn't probably the best, you know, first impression. Um, and we sat down and we spoke about his business. We spoke about where he'd got it to over the 20 years. And, you know, let, let's give the guy the credit where credit's due. He's got an amazing business that he's built. Um, but I think in all businesses, as, as an owner, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who probably built it off the back of a clipboard 20 years ago to where it is today, you do have to take a step back and think, am I the best person to take it to the next level? Mm. Um, and I think all business owners should ask themselves, ask themselves Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Because I do think that most people in all walks of life in any position, you, you get to a ceiling in your role, whether that be a receptionist or a CEO and everything in between, everyone gets to a ceiling and are they the next, are they the best placed person to take it to the next level? It's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because obviously as a founder, entrepreneur, business owner, it's that focus, passion, belief that, you know, a founder or co-founders have to get the energy behind the business, to get the ball rolling, to get the initial growth, to go through that kind of intuitive growth stage. But you're right, there's certain brick walls that come along, isn't there? And and some are talented and, and and push through them and push through a number of the brick walls. But at some point, actually, if you're not careful and you are that founder, you move away from your strengths. Mm -hmm. And actually, you're back to leading and managing. Well, you might be great at the leading bit, but managing operationally day-to-day -day a business that has now morphed and, and become quite an animal isn't playing to strengths, is it? Yeah, I think Jason's business has got so big as well. And I, I don't know, I like the term wheeling the experts. So... Yeah. Um, I think where myself and a couple of the other, other leadership and some people that I put into the business have got culturally lots of alternative exposure, um, it was an opportunity for him to use experience of um, industry experts that were prepared to take the jump and join what we class as a regional business that it was um, mm -hmm. and use all of their awesome experience to take that, that part of the business that they're invested into the next level. So we've got operationally the team here in Poole, um, and we've also got remote workers that work across the UK, which Jason never had before. So you don't have to physically turn up to do your job. Um, and would those people have been accessible to his business prior to meeting me or maybe someone like me? Um, was that a model he was considering? Potentially not. So there's lots of positive things that have come out of me joining the business, but also that have come out of other very experienced people joining the business as well that have had experience outside of team jobs. That's, it. Well, that's really interesting, isn't it? And I, I suppose my reflection on that is that experience that somebody coming from a much larger national or international organisation brings is those businesses you know they have their downsides but usually mm. they are on the forefront aren't they and as we've already talked about they have a different model and sometimes if you can bring that model and that foresight and that change that is inevitably going to happen in the industry into an owner managed business quicker then you get ahead of the curve don't you and I assume that's what's happening at team jobs and that's very relevant because I came you know culturally it's a huge shift to go from a, a global brand to um, an owner managed business so there was a journey for me to personally go on, which is a journey I'd not been on before. Um, but, but ultimately, what you've got is you've got the ability to influence things quicker. Um, mm. You've got the ability to take a macro version of what you knew and make it a micro version to suit an owner-managed business and influence a positive outcome a lot quicker than you have 
in a global brand. So you came into the business and you worked for 12, 15 months within the business before assuming the role of kind of MD mm-hmm. um, and making some of this change happen. Um, I suppose my question is, you know, as an owner of a business myself, you know, I can think it'd be great to have an MD in running the business day in, day out, but it would scare the hell out of me as well. How did you and Jason build that, you know, rapport and trust to enable that transition to happen? Um, How did we build the rapport and trust? I think it came, I don't don't want to sound weird, but I think it came really naturally. Um, I'm a bit of hearts on sleeve type person, so... I'm also a great believer that if you get up in the morning and don't want to be somewhere, you shouldn't go there. And I got up in the morning every day and wanted to be here because I could see the differences I I was making. Even if they were only really small marginal gains, um, to change a process or to change an outcome, you have to change a behavior within the business. Mm -hmm. And you can't just go in and slam new processes and, you know, new expectations in. It's about the long burn journey. So I came in initially to take over the team that do permanent recruitment across the UK and also do what we class as commercial temporary recruitment so business support recruitment and I came in and very quickly observed some areas we could tweak and some very good growth opportunities which I think demonstrated very easily to Jason that I kind of knew what I was talking about and I think with 20 plus years experience in recruitment you know the 19 year old that rocked into an agency and got a job in admin um, to today um I didn't take the role just to come and do a job, if mm. that makes sense. I took yeah. the role to come and really help him take his take his business on a journey. And so we've we've moved from team jobs being known in the Dorset Hampshire market to team jobs being known in Newcastle, team jobs being mm. known in Birmingham, team jobs being known in various pockets of the country across the UK, um, where we wouldn't have necessarily had the the foresight to go to go national. And how do you balance that growth, that national growth, with still being a presence in Dorset and Hampshire? Because they are two, they are two different models, and Team Jobs still has that strong presence in Dorset and Hampshire as well. Absolutely. Does that um, not create some conflict in the business? No, we've got some awesome legacy clients that have worked with Jason's business since he started to operate. So every client receives, and I, I'm going to say, it, aren't they? Every client receives the best service, regardless of where they're based. What we had to do was very quickly um, digitalize. So we, we invested in some digitali- digitalization into the business that allowed us to operate nationally. Um, I was already very engaged in video tech prior to the pandemic anyway. So video interviewing, using digital technology to hire somebody in a, another country was not new to me. So bringing that knowledge into the business allowed the consultants in our business to understand they didn't have to have somebody walk through their front door and they didn't have to physically sit in front of somebody to qualify how good they were for an opportunity or qualify what they were looking for. Mm. So that digital transformation had to happen really quickly. And that was already on the agenda, actually, from our coffee in October 2019, prior to March 2020 happening. So mm. these kind of uh, intrinsic changes that meant we could operate nationally were already in conversation when actually they just aided us to operate remotely, um, yep. which was great. Um, so in terms of building trust with him, I think my knowledge of how we could take these steps forward gave him, I, suppo- I suppose, um, gave him the peace of mind that I knew what I was talking about because I'd, I'd got case studies of where we'd operated previously. In a previous life, I, I grew a division for a company that was 100% remote, nine consultants across the UK specialising in marketing recruitment. 
And that was new to a global brand. Mm. So I did it in a global brand and shouted loud enough to get the opportunity to do it. So I think that where I've been able to kind of bring a bit more, bit of a case study with me and say, look, this is how we can do it. it it's almost like a tried and tested, isn't it? Yes. So I don't yeah. think there was massive fear there. So I, I understand what you mean in terms of an, a CEO giving you an opportunity to be an MD. But I think where you've got experience of um, I've done this before and I've done that before, there's less of a, oh, I wonder if it will work. Okay. And it's probably a question I should have Jason on the podcast with you, I suppose. But a question really more is how do you think Jason has felt through the transition? And what lessons could other sort of business owners take perhaps from Jason's journey? I'm sure he's felt super nervous. You know, he's really accessible, which is super important because um, he needs to feel very comfortable that the steps we're taking and how we're growing this business Um is within his reach to understand mm. that there's no big surprises. So I think he's gone through that initial phase of, oh, oh, is this going to work? A little bit like a new relationship, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and now he's in the phase of, actually, this is going really well. And he comes in and he'll tweak a few knobs now and again, touch a few buttons, flick a few switches, which is exactly what we need because he yep. has such a great vision and he's so supportive. And we've got an incredibly open landscape. There's no, um, uh, there's no fear that I could pick up the phone to him at any point and give him bad news because I'd rather give him the bad news um, than it land in his lap as a big surprise. Because let's face it, not every day is a great day, eh? No, it's just that's <laughs> life, isn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. So you know, we deal with the challenges, we deal with them together. Um, I think he's probably had to take a step back and force himself to do so because mm. it's very easy to not let go, isn't it, as a business owner? And Definitely. I think. I've never had to have a challenging conversation about him being too involved. So he's got the balance right. If, if anything, it's it's let's applaud him because he's balanced it really well himself. Okay, that's a great response. And um, I'd love to, I'm going to ask him the same question um, one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what about the team? Obviously, a lot of people come and work in a smaller business because it's different. It's unique. It's got its own spirit. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm sure that was the case with team jobs and you're not lo looking to change that spirit, but you're changing the emphasis and the focus of the business. Mm -hmm. Have you had resistance from the team? Have they looked at it and thought, well, why have we got a kind of independent MD when we've still got Jason around? No, I think the team have been really responsive um, to change, which is positive because it's not changed to dissolve. It's not changed to get smaller. It's changed to take huge strides forward. Yeah. And when you say to somebody, there's an opportunity here to almost look at a hockey stick effect, and this is how we're going to do it, they get excited about those milestones that they're going to go on. Or, the, or if I look at the management, the middle management in the business, they're really excited about the milestones they're going to take their team on. What that means to them is they now have an opportunity to grow their team's career path. So where we had quite a flat, flat structure with Jason and managers and a, and a consultant group, We've yeah. now grown that structure out to say, okay, well, um, this division here, rather than you managing nine people, why don't you grow two or three people in your business that will grow those divisions that will become team leaders? So you manage three people, in turn, yeah. they manage three people. So we pyramid out the structure a bit more, which gives people better career opportunities, eh? So it looks at retention. Yeah. It, you know, I think you've got a group of very local agencies where to a certain extent, if I looked at some people on LinkedIn, I'd say a handful of them would have worked for two or three. Yeah. And we, we want to retain that 
really good talent by giving them career opportunity and not just saying you've got you've got to be the best version of yourself now we can't give you the next step you'll need to go and get that somewhere else which is let's face it something that local businesses sometimes do fall foul of yeah so where we're growing the business we're growing the structure we're also growing that vision that people are able to have about what could what could their role look like next year and i suppose that's about in instilling that kind of growth mindset in them as individuals isn't there that actually here's the opportunity reach for it take it make it happen Uh, i suppose retention is a really interesting one in the recruitment sector generally isn't it because as you say it's that sales environment and any sales environment be it it photocopiers you know recruitment whatever it may be there's usually a quite a big churn Mm -hmm. in the team isn't there because they move from one to other and just keep moving around and if you could nail that retention one, that, that would be a huge opportunity for Team Jobs. Wouldn't it? Well, one of the reasons why I joined Team Jobs is I, I, I entered a room of people that had no less than six years service. Okay. Wow. So we had a management team with 13 years, 15 years, 10 years, six years. And I'm like, wow, there's some stability here. Yeah. And that sings volumes from a leadership team. And then you've got consultants in the business. We've got We've got a lady who's been here I want to say six years and she started as an apprentice and she's now managing her own division through growing this national proposition. Yeah. So she's been a really lovely success story of how we're growing and we have the ability to hire in other geographical locations. And she's a really good blueprint of how you can take somebody in a trainee level and still engage and still grow and still coach and still develop. Um, And I think that the stability actually for this business is really high um, compared to, and I'm not going to compare myself to other recruitment agencies, but just compared to businesses locally in any sense. Um, So that was actually one of the real reasons that that a big big box tick for me was the retention they had in the business. And I suppose, but that's one of the challenges for you, isn't it, Bean? Because when you see that great retention and you're going to bring in a degree of change to an organisation, then actually, you know, the key, one of the key KPIs that's going to be involved is do you retain the right members of the team? Yep, they're all staying. staying. (laughs) You know what? They're they're all awesome in in their own ways. Everyone's got, um, nobody can be all things to everyone, can they? Everyone's got uh, different specialisms um, and they are all very good at what they do. But what we've given them by some digital opportunity and some coaching and development is the the opportunity to then go, do you know what I've done this and I'm being really well remunerated and I love it here and now I can see what my next step is even on the management line so it's not just about growing the bottom up it's also maintaining that career opportunity career conversations in this business at the moment are are high on our agenda um because you know one day I'm not going to be the MD who wants to be the next MD you know yeah definitely again it's looking forward isn't it and I I suppose that leads in, and we're talking about it in a, in a roundabout way, is your management style, your style of communicating. Do you think it's any different in a owner-managed business to what it was within those corporate entities? Have you had to change your style? Yeah, I think I have. Um, I think in a corporate world, it's, it's quite matter-of-fact and black and white. Mm. I think you're in a bigger machine with a lot more people and I think you've got to influence a lot more people to get to where you're wanting to get to maybe that I don't know be it a decision you're looking to make or a product you're looking to purchase um I think the style of communication has naturally evolved into being a little bit more family-led in a small business 
Okay. Um, I'd probably say my communications have, has become a bit more caring um, and kind of a bit more hearts and minds. And I don't want to. I, I don't want to say that you know. Oh, Hannah in a previous life was black and white and direct. But if I really did reflect, I'd probably say that my communication is a lot more thoughtful um, yeah. because I'm a lot more aware that I'm going to walk up the stairs and see somebody rather than, I don't know, be in a meeting with someone twice a year because they're based across the other side of the country. So what you're dealing with is 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 very in front of you every day. Yeah, well, it's good self-realisation, Hannah, isn't it? Yeah, because, totally. yeah you know. and, and I suppose that, that, that links me back to what I said about the journey I went on from leaving a corporate to joining an SME. Yes. And I think there are companies out there that hire and go, or oh, we're an SME, we can't have someone from a corporate because the culture is so different. And they're not wrong, it is different, but it is possible for people to take that challenge and that journey. I'm living proof. <laughs> yeah, living proof of it. But I suppose that's an interesting one, isn't it? For any sort of business owner that's sort of listening and thinking, okay, I do want to bring somebody in from the outside at a senior level that's perhaps had a corporate background. Surely it's it's about interviewing them, not necessarily about their technical skills and on mm -hmm. the model and the business. It's about aptitude because from this conversation alone in the last 20 minutes i can hear that you came into the organization to seek new challenge but to change as an individual and develop as an individual and and see things from a different perspective now sometimes it doesn't work because the individual coming in is all about well that's how we do it that's how it's done and doesn't change the management style or the communication style and i think there's some of the the noises that you hear and some of the fears that you have as an owner of a business if you bring somebody in from a corporate world I think if I was going to give a business owner a bit of a tip, it would be to really properly talk to that person without being overly structured. Mm. Getting people to relax, I tend to find out more about them than if I fire traditional interview questions at them. And I think it's really important to probe honestly about any weak areas or areas of concern. Maybe it might be the area of concern is how do you think you're going to handle the cultural shift between your current employer to my smaller business? but do it in a really constructive but fairly direct way because I think you're going to get a true person. If you get them talking about something they're passionate about, you'll see that real person. Mm. And I think myself and Jason, if I think about October 2019 when I met him for a coffee, I didn't start in the business till January, not because I had a humongous notice period, but because we really took some time to, to meet, talk, not be too structured um, and almost have discovery meetings versus okay. a formal interview. That's a lovely way of putting it, isn't it? Particularly at that senior level is, you know, is a discovery meeting. Absolutely. At some point, there can be a more formal discussion, but actually, yep. is the fit right? How yep. do you know? How do you get the fit right? And do you feel you can now be more entrepreneurial yourself in your role? Although it sounds like even in the corporate world, as you sort of brought in digitization and new products and services within that organization, you probably always have had that mindset. But is that something that you're learning? Yeah, I'm constantly leaning back on him going, um, what do you think about this? And hey, I've got this great idea, but am I being, you know, am I being stupid? Because I yeah. do think I'm, I'm using his entrepreneurial spirit to grow my own. Um, because hey, I didn't start a business on the back of a clipboard. No. I've, I've acquired the responsibility to drive this business forward. But I still know there's oodles and oodles of entrepreneurial excellence that he can give me. Um, yeah. So if I'm honest, I wouldn't probably say I was an entrepreneur. I'd say I was stupidly inquisitive, incredibly curious, and very aware that tomorrow was going to be different to today. So it's always kind of always forward thinking. And what is, you know, even down to things like, well, I was speaking to a client the other day about 
what does tomorrow's talent look like? And I'm like, wow, that's a deep, that's a big question, isn't <laughs> that's it? That's a very deep question. <laughs> so if we had an hour, I'd ask you that question out. now. <laughs> Let me get my crystal ball out my laptop bag. Um, yeah, so um, so I'm 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 kind of dealing with the 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 quick wins, the quick changes, the quick challenges, whilst we're going through the immediate transformation of change, which is not huge change, but adding some value. Then after, I think, I want to say come January, we're going to be looking at the more, what does the long-term view look like? Um, mm. What are, what are our, what are we, where do we want to be in six months, 12 months, 18 months time? We've got that all detailed out in terms of financials, but we all know very well that we want our business to be twice the size as, as it is this year to next year. And what are we really bad at doing? Hiring people for our own business. So we've got a humongous project going on right now with lots of external influencers about how we hire people for our business. Warren, have you ever been to a decorator's house? Yeah. It's yeah? never decorated, is exactly. it? Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Last tax return to be filed every year is my own. Uh, it's the same, <laughs> is it? It's a couple of shoes, definitely. And it's interesting, isn't it, though? Because you, you, you say you've got it financially planned out. You know that financially it wants to be double, but actually in most businesses particularly smaller businesses actually it's not about setting financial goals it's setting the goals and ambitions and things that need to be achieved to get there and the, mm -hmm. in my opinion like you said you know an accountant says it but the financial results are the consequence of all those good actions and yep. and those other plans and so definitely and are you spending time as a management senior team developing those ideas i mean it's always interesting to see how a business owner interacts with their senior team regardless of whether there's an md or not in terms of setting goals and ambitions how are you as a team going about achieving that anna yeah we do we're we're constantly looking at um what's next we you know from a planning perspective we've got a lot of clients that are seasonal and they're already um engaged with this in terms of what their numbers are going to look like in the forthcoming months so we can instantly very easily look at projection um, and what we do as a management team is, you know, we we meet monthly. In fact, you know what? At 9.30 every morning, we're in each other's faces every day. Right. <laughs> so we have our morning management meeting. And that's not just about setting the agenda or what, what's going on in your world. That's about um, listening to what value people can add. Because like I said earlier, everyone adds something and everyone adds something different. Um, if you if you kind of threw the management team together and said, okay, what's the core skill? I don't think there is a core skill because apart from the fact they can coach and lead in, it, you know, they've got oodles of capability to do that. We've got one person that specializes in the industrial space and knows everything there is to know about the Pandora's box of um, industri the industrial market. Mm -hmm. And then we've got a, an engineering leader and a commercial leader and a marketing leader. So I do think that everyone has something individual to add so we do come together very often to look at what's next for us or what our challenges might be that we need to we need to overcome as a, as a team rather than me leading from the front all the time. And just a kind of final question around that, perhaps before we go on and talk a bit about recruitment in the post-pandemic world. Yeah. If there is an owner of a business sat here listening to this podcast, thinking they want to take the leap and hire an MD, um, talked about discovery se sessions and mm -hmm. get to know the individual, but what other hints and tips would you give Hannah to that business owner before they make the leap? Understand what your market is. So firstly, understand what you want and why you yeah. want it, but understand what your market is that's available to you. So don't, don't post an ad and hope that everyone will apply. That's not the way to find a great MD. Um, 
work with an agency that can specifically map a market for you, whether that be your industry or ge geographically somebody that could cross section into your industry and, and allow somebody to give you the data what is available to you because sometimes there's a big margin of difference between what's available to you and what you want yeah and then that might bring you back to your what you want that that big piece at the first at the front end before you've even decided to have a discovery call with somebody is massive for me because if somebody wants to go out there and say oh, i'd like an md to join my business and i want this 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 and this do you even know if that those people out there exist what would make them move and are you even within the realms of the right kind of remuneration budget mm -hmm. and plan for this person? So it's that piece for me that adds more value and probably takes more time than when you actually find the two or three people you want to talk to. Okay, brilliant. Great hints and tips there. So moving on to recruitment in a post-pandemic world. I mean, we've all seen this kind of candidate shortage that exists and I assume is going to exist, you know, and in some industries is quite catastrophic in terms of you know, a lack of availability of talent. So um, what's your thoughts on the effects that the pandemic have had on the recruitment, but in particular, the, perhaps the recruitment process? Has that process itself changed as a result of that shortage? Oh, of gosh, absolutely. Technology has been, like I said, it's been thrown to the forefront, um, even down to uh, let's let's take last April, where the Home Office said you don't you no longer have to acquire someone's proof of right to work in person you can do it digitally and they ummed and ahed over bringing that back in september they ummed and ahed over or they're umming and ahring over whether that's going to come back in january and there's more technology now coming into the market that would be the catalyst behind people not having to return to the way they did it before hmm. and continue to do it in a digital world um so video interviewing um it's made a process more streamlined so firms and companies are certainly able to hire people um on attitude as well as experience. Um, I think it's, I don't know, I was remote for seven years prior to the pandemic. I was digital, I was already operating nationally. So what I've experienced post pandemic is no different to where I was, but it's very different to some companies, eh? Mm. Um, so I think it's a really good question, but I think it's made it easier to recruit both skilled and lesser skilled workers remotely, or I think we've, we've uncovered a bit of a transient workforce where people, there was a stat that I heard last week about how many people have moved south onto the coast. And I think there's that come and join our company down here on the south coast, mm. the most beautiful part of Britain, you know, all that sort of thing. So I think a lot of people are more, very, very more aware of the balance as well when they're looking for work. Yeah, that's true, actually, isn't it? Is, you know, even if it's not a case of them relocating or moving, it's, which which of the businesses are going to offer some form of flexibility into the terms of my hours or the way I work? Can I mm -hmm. work from home? Can I work mm -hmm. in the office? Mm -hmm. It's that whole um, piece and agenda has changed from perhaps quite fixated views that organisations have had in the past. They just can't be so fixated now, can they? Every single candidate that we speak to in the permanent team, every single candidate asks us, is there a hybrid model in this company? Is there an opportunity to blend home working and, and, and office working? It comes yeah. up in every conversation. It's interesting. We've hired people in the last six months and we were struggling. But one of the things that has enabled us to do that is we, from September 2020, we had hybrid working and it was going to be our permanent way of working. You know, Mondays, Wednesdays, everybody in the office, Tuesdays, mm -hmm. uh, 
Thursdays, Fridays, some flexibility, you know, around working at home or in the office, whatever suited their work pattern. And in the last six months, we've recruited people that are, their employees have brought them back and said, no, it's full time in the office. Mm -hmm. And it's probably given you access to talent that's maybe a little bit more geographically a stretch because yeah. people will do that commute a couple of times a week because it's only a couple of times a week. So you've yeah. now got access to talent you ordinarily wouldn't have had access to had you have said, we need you here five days a week, but they live an hour and a half away. Yeah, that's a good point, isn't it? And I suppose yeah. that's a good opportunity. That's one of the Absolutely. opportunities that that comes from it. I mean, you know, crystal ball, I suppose. But how long do you think this candidate shortage is going to last for? I mean, how long do you think, you know, businesses are going to be stretched in terms of finding, you know, the right, find the right talent? I think it's going to flatten out. I do think that come spring next year, we'll see we'll see a flattening of the candidate shortage. Um, we've seen this seesaw of too many jobs, not enough candidates. And in the other sense, too many candidates, not enough jobs. I've mm. seen it four times in recruitment. I think it's got a five year cycle yeah. um, driven by whatever reason. Um, and I do think come spring next year, I think it will flatten out. Um, I think there'll be some significant changes from government in terms of EU's right to work here in the UK. I, I think we'll see, if I'm going to guess, I think we'll see the digitalization of proof of right to work stick. I don't think we'll revert back. But do you know what? Shoot me, I might be wrong. This is crystal yeah. ball moment here, isn't it? It is, um, yeah. But I also think we're we're getting so far ahead in the technology we have available to us um, that I don't feel that we could ever revert back to the way we did it because I think the process is too long in any sense. Mm. And that's not the process that the talent coming into the market is looking for. So, yeah, I, I, you know, there's a few guesses there, isn't there? I, I, I'd love to I'd love to say that it wasn't just Hannah's guess, but, you know, OK, maybe they're my hopes. OK, OK, we'll call it hopes. Hannah's hopes. There you are. <laughs> and talking about your hopes, what are your hopes for team jobs? Um, that we continue to grow. Um, continue to grow our footprint across the UK, continue to be awesome with the clients that we work with, um, continue to put great ambassadors out into the market. Um, and what are my hopes? Let me think. We continue to grow that culture of development. That for me is really important. Somebody once said to me that if you haven't got your team, you've got nothing. Yeah. So, so I can talk about growth and being bigger and making more money and doing all that great stuff. But actually, it's it's about the, what I've got inside the business um, that I hope continues to go on the journey because we're giving them the right tools in order to do so. Fantastic! It, it does in my in my world. It always comes down to people, doesn't it? And and your team and how you look after your team. So, one final question that I ask everybody: It is the Evolve to Succeed podcast. You're evolving personally, Hannah, as you go on your own journey with Team Jobs and with Jason. But what does success mean to you? personally um success means to me personally that i i have a vision i know how i'm going to reach it and i've got an awesome army of people around me to help me get there that for me is going to result in success more so what does success mean to me personally it, 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 i'm less interested in the outcome being successful because I've, if i've got that bit right it's going to happen all day long Brilliant. Thank you. Hannah, you've been an incredible guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvedmembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.